Section 7 of Our Street. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Our Street by William Makepeace Thackeray. Somebody Whom Nobody Knows. That pretty little house, the last in Pocklington Square, was lately occupied by a young widow lady who wore a pink bonnet, a short silk dress, sustained by crinoline, and a light blue mantle or over-jacket. Miss C. is not here to tell me the name of the garment. Or else a black velvet pelisse, a yellow shawl, and a white bonnet. Or else, but never mind the dress which seemed to be of the handsomest sort money could buy, and who had very long glossy black ringlets, and a peculiarly brilliant complexion. Number 96 Pocklington Square, I say, was lately occupied by a widow lady named Mrs. Stafford Molyneux. The very first day on which an intimate and valued female friend of mine saw Mrs. Stafford Molyneux stepping into a brougham with a splendid bay horse and without a footman, mark, if you please, that delicate sign of respectability, and after a moment's examination of Mrs. S. M. Toilette, her manners, little dog, carnation-colored parasol, etc., Miss Elizabeth Clapperclaw clapped to the opera glass with which she had been regarding the new inhabitant of our street, came away from the window in a great flurry, and began poking her fire in a fit of virtuous indignation. "'She is very pretty,' said I, who had been looking over Miss C.'s shoulder at the widow with the flashing eyes and drooping ringlets. "'Hold your tongue, sir,' said Miss Clapperclaw, tossing up her virgin head with an indignant blush on her nose. "'It's a sin and a shame that such a creature should be riding in her carriage, forsooth, when honest people must go on foot.' Subsequent observations confirmed my revered fellow-lodger's anger and opinion. We have watched handsome cabs standing before that lady's house for hours. We have seen broughams with great flaring eyes, keeping watch there in the darkness. We have seen the vans from the comestible shops drive up and discharge loads of wines, groceries, French plums, and other articles of luxurious horror. We have seen Count Wowski's drag, Lord Martingale's carriage, Mr. Ducey's cab drive up there time after time, and, having remarked previously the pastry-cook's men arrive with the trays and entrees, we have known that this widow was giving dinners at the little house in Pocklington Square, dinners such as decent people could not hope to enjoy. My excellent friend has been in a perfect fury when Mrs. Stafford Molyneux, in a black velvet riding habit, with a hat and feather, has come out and mounted an odious grey horse, and has cantered down the street, followed by her groom upon a bay. It won't last long. It must end in shame and humiliation, my dear Miss C. has remarked, disappointed that the tiles and chimney-pots did not fall down upon Mrs. Stafford Molyneux's head, and crush that cantering, audacious woman." but it was a consolation to see her when she walked out with a French maid, a couple of children, and a little dog hanging on to her by a blue ribbon. 
She has always held down her head then, her head with a drooping black ringlets. The virtuous and well-disposed avoided her. I have seen the square keeper look puzzled as she passed, and Lady Kicklebury, walking by with Miss Kay, her daughter, turn away from Mrs. Stafford Molyneux and fling back at her a ruthless Parthian glance that ought to have killed any woman of decent sensibility. That wretched woman, meanwhile, with her rouge cheeks, for rouge it is, Miss Clapperclaw wears, and who is a better judge, has walked unconscious and yet somehow braving out the street. You could read pride of her beauty, pride of her fine clothes, shame of her position and her downcast black eyes. As for Mademoiselle Trampoline, her French maid, she would stare the sun itself out of countenance. One day she tossed up her head as she passed under our windows with a look of scorn that drove Miss Clapperclaw back to the fireplace again. It was Mrs. Stafford Molyneux's children, however, whom I pitied the most. Once her boy, in a flaring tartan, went up to speak to Master Roderick Lacey, whose maid was engaged ogling a policeman, and the children were going to make friends, being united with a hoop which Master Molyneux had, when Master Roderick's maid, rushing up, clutched her charge to her arms and hurried away, leaving little Molyneux sad and wondering. "'Why won't he play with me, Mama? Master Molyneux asked, and his mother's face blushed purple as she walked away. "'Ah, heaven help us and forgive us,' said I, "'but Miss C can never forgive the mother or child,' and she clapped her hands for joy one day when we saw the shutters up, bells in the windows, a carpet hanging out over the balcony, and a crowd of shabby Jews about the steps, giving token that the reign of Mrs. Stafford Molyneux was over. The pastry cooks and their trays, the bay and the grey, the brougham and the groom, the noblemen and their cabs were all gone, and the tradesmen in the neighborhood were crying out that they were done. Serve the odious minx right, says Miss C., and she played at piquet that night with more vigor than I have known her manifest for these last ten years. What is it that makes certain old ladies so savage upon certain subjects? Missy is a good woman, pays her rent and her tradesmen, gives plenty to the poor, is brisk with her tongue, kind-hearted in the main. But if Mrs. Stafford Molyneux and her children were plunged into a cauldron of boiling vinegar, I think my revered friend would not take her out. End of section 7